0: Uh, He's risen. risen. Oh, there it is. All right. All right. A lot of you know that one. That's cool. Uh, i tell you what, I'd like to welcome everyone in our video venue sites. Also watching online, being a part of all this with us. We have an exciting time together, and I have a ton of encouragement for you. And really how it's, it's going to go is that I'm going to kind of give you a, a snapshot of God's love. Now, in order to understand his love, we've got to understand uh, kind of where we're at. And so it's going to sound like I'm going to be the big downer right at the beginning. Talk a little bit about what's going on with our world and how we kind of mess things up. But in light of what we have done, God's love just begins to shine and shine and shine shine. So by the time we get done together in our short amount of time, uh, boy, you're going to be encouraged. You're going to be fired up, ready to go. Yeah, this is going to be a good Easter. I can already hear you in the back. You're all crazy and fired up about the Lord this morning. So that's good. That's good. We're good. All right. So let me just share a, a couple of thoughts as we begin. And it's this, the essence of the Easter story is the gospel. And what it means is this, About 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and lived with us. And what's fascinating is that he comes in and for 30 years lives in almost absolute obscurity. Nobody knows he's there. Nobody knows what he's doing. But he's doing something critical those 30 years. What he's doing is living the life. That the father always desired of his children. He was living in obedience in every way. God always just wanted his kids to do what he told them to do. So they could live vibrant and alive. And be loved on. And be uh, in blessing. And so Jesus did that knowing full well. That he was living a perfect life. So that one day he could trade his life for ours. So every bit of his life was critical. The last three years of his life he went public. He then decides to go out and let everyone know that he indeed is the Messiah that has come to die for the sins of the world. He is rejected because we all want self more than submitting to God. That is the essence of sin. Is We want to do it our way. We want to fix it ourselves. We want to feel good about us. We want what we want when we want it. That is the essence of the failure of the world. And so he was rejected and he was crucified on the cross. And there on the cross, he died for the sins of the world. He died and was buried and he was dead, dead. He was all dead in that tomb. And on the third day, he rose again as a victorious, mighty king, demonstrated himself to the people. Let everyone know I am alive forevermore and I'm launching a brand new way of living. Let me rescue you. That is the essence of the gospel. That's the Easter story. So what I want to do with our time today is to let you know how deep that freedom can be, how deep that cleansing can be. Some of us come in today and our spirits are dry and weary. Some of us feel like, man, I'm walking through a desert. I need more of God. I need something. There are others of us that are feeling okay, we're feeling like things are going well, but we also know that just like on a warm summer day, it's wonderful to dive into the cool water, and sometimes we just need to be refreshed, right? So that's kind of what we're going to be talking about, but I can't tell a story without giving context. That's kind of built into me, right? People go, so what are you waiting for lunch? I'm like, in the beginning, right? You know, and I, you know there once was a man. They're like, why do you keep talking about yourself in the third person? But anyway... Literally in the beginning, right? Because I got to go there. In the beginning, we got Adam and Eve. God creates his people out of love. That was the whole point. God created out of love. God designed out of love. The whole point of the cross is about love. The whole point of Jesus coming is about love. The whole reason why you were invited by God here today is because he loves you. His love is chasing you down. And so sure enough, Adam and Eve created in a love environment, allowed to be in a perfect state where everything is right and good and they are blessed and things are awesome, but God wanted them to love him back. And anytime you want true love, you got to give some options. So he allowed there to be a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so he said, kids, bad news. Don't go near that stuff. I don't want you eating from that tree. Why? Because he wanted them to choose him over themselves. Well, he also allowed the tempter in, he allowed the devil to be in that so that the devil could say, Hey, let me check on you. Do you really love God? Are you really into him? Or do you think he's holding out on you? Cause I think you think that there's a bunch of fun that you're not having, that God is not blessing you. Well, he's always been using the same temptations all throughout history. Well, we know how that story went. We chose self over God. The Bible says that after we did that, we became aware that we are very dangerous people. After we did that, we were aware that if we're going to say no to God, if we're going to hurt God, we're not safe with each other. And it says they realized they were naked. Now, they had always been naked, but they didn't realize it. They're like, man, I always knew there was a draft in here, but I I had no idea... That I have like nothing on, right? And they realize, wait, I'm totally vulnerable to you and you are not safe. You've sinned against God. You're clearly going to hurt me. And all these walls went up and it says that they tried to hide their shame. But then there's a beautiful line. It says, But God gave them garments of skin to wear to shield their shame. Now, where in the world do you get garments of skin? Right? I mean, it's not like there was a leather factory nearby. It was straight up the animals gets called by God. Excuse me. Come here for a second. They're like, what? what, Why me? What's going on with that, right? God, bam, kills the animal. Takes out the skin, makes it for Adam and Eve. Here's what is fascinating about that. God had to pay for man's sin right off the bat. Because who owns that animal? Who breathed his life Into that animal? Who had the creation design of that animal? But right off the bat, God loses because man sins. But his love promoted him to give up more of himself so that mankind would be covered. Now you would assume that that would go well Well, the first family falls apart. Cain, their son, kills their other son, Abel, and it begins to spiral into chaos. So bad that we are now down to a world with only one righteous man, a man by the name of Noah. And there God said, we're going to cleanse the whole thing. We're cleansing the entire world. We will do a worldwide flood. And wipe out all mankind. But because of my love for them. I will not only rescue that righteous man. But I will allow seven of his family. That are not righteous. I know they're carrying sin. All the way through the flood. To cause problems later. But I love them so much. That I will make a way for them to be redeemed. Now contrary to popular thought there were not rock monsters building the ark, right? If you've seen the recent movie, okay, it was actually done by Noah, right? And his sons, the worldwide flood, one massive cleansing, a whole thing of ridding out of sin. God said, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to do a different system for you. And I just need you to watch and wait for me. Well, sure enough, a man came around by the name of Moses And Moses received a law from God. He received the Ten Commandments. He received the plan. He received the sacrificial system. And in that sacrificial system, it was organized and orchestrated to be a religious system by which man could reconnect with God. Now inherently in that, it was temporary. It was always designed with a flaw. But it was designed on purpose that way. So I would like to explain to you what that system was. I want you to see the love in it. I want you to see God chasing after man in it. I want you to see our need in it. This is how the system was designed. God set up a plan by which when you messed up, and you will mess up. Because we don't sin and become sinners. We are broken on the inside so we do bad stuff. God knew that we would err. God knew the rudder on our ship was broken and we would always steer off course no matter how hard we held on to the steering wheel. So God made a system by which we could reconnect with Him. And this sacrificial system was simply this. Bring something living that it may die that you might live. The system was to bring in an animal and to have it sacrificed, its blood poured out. And then the sin would be overlooked. The sin would be covered. There was a whole series of washings. They would wash their hands before any meals. The high priest would go through extreme cleansing and ritual. There were mikvahs, individual bathing areas just before you go into the temple for everybody else. That they would wash their whole bodies. The idea of cleansing and washing and fixing and purifying as well as sacrifice sacrifices of thanksgiving sacrifices of burnt offerings sacrifices of wine sacrifices of everything that is on this earth this whole system where they would have priests that would be basically the slaughterhouse workers were constantly offering sacrifices every day for the sins of the nation why because our sin problem was so bad now let me just pause for a thought Why is sin so bad? Hell seems like a really extreme thing for cheating. Hell seems a little over the top, right? If you're just lying. And that's how we look at our sin. We always have justification for our sin. We say, God, it's not that big of a deal. It's just kind of gossip or it's just kind of doubt or it's just kind of this or that. So let me just give you an idea just a snapshot on why sin is such a big deal so you can understand what jesus died for I need you to understand the depth That jesus would go to rescue you and scoop you up and lift you into freedom But here's why I think it is. Here's why I think that sin is such a big problem number one Is it violates the nature of god? We are we all clear that god is god and we are not yeah? Yeah Alright, so if God is God, if he is the creator of all things, then whatever he wants should go. When we violate that, sin is in essence doing what God does not want. So that's an affront to him, that's a spitting in his face, that's a, I don't care about you, I choose me. That is an insult to God, that's the first problem with it. The second problem with sin is that it mars the image of God. God. We realize that we were built in his image his imprint is on every human being when we hear phrases like all men were created equal What do we mean? We mean it's god image in all of us equally And so god says don't mess with my stuff. I know you think that it's yours to mess around with however you want, but it's not It's my stuff Don't mess with my stuff number three. It's a violation of the rules the designers allowed to organize the rules of the game. When you break those rules, there's a penalty. Number four, we hurt other people. You go, I'm not hurting anybody else. This is all junk going on in my mind. I can tell you right now, there is no victimless crime. I can tell you right now that all sin impacts something else why it changes your attitude how you handle someone else that ricochets off Them to hit someone else and that ricochets off them and hits me it messes up my world So don't tell me that your sin is personal Nobody's sin is personal It is not until number five That it gets down to you and this is the one that we think is most important. This is the one that we excuse easiest That it hurts us our sin hurts us You go, well, I'm an adult. I can make that decision. No, you can't because your heavenly father loves you too much to be cool with what you're cool with. Your heavenly father loves you too much to be okay with you hurting yourself. There are a lot of self hurts and self mutilation in this world and parents are not okay with it in the same way. Our heavenly father is not okay with you destroying what he gave you. Why? Because he loves you too much. Sin is a big deal. So God orchestrated a religious system to get us back into play when someone sins something dies That's the issue with why blood needs to be shed Kind of an odd idea about this right blood. I mean you come into church and everyone's like the blood the blood the blood just gross Right. It's like why is everyone obsessed with blood? You go see the passion of the christ the movie Oh, I don't want my kids to see that that is so bloody everything. It's blood blam blam everywhere, right? What's the deal with blood? It's actually very practical Here's why when god set up a system of living creatures animals humans He said i'm going to count the blood part the circulatory system of blood in your body to be a symbol of your life so much so That when Jews would sacrifice or they would eat meat, they had to drain all the blood out. Why? Because that's God's portion. So a sacrifice of an animal is a giving of their life so you can live. It's always been that way. Let me just show you a scripture. It's in Hebrews. Hebrews. uh, Let's see here. Chapter nine, verse 18. Let me see if I can throw that up on the screen here. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Your sin must be covered by someone's death. It's either yours. And in this case, it was looked over if you had an animal. Now, an animal can't die for your sins. But God said, I see your heart. I see your intention to be with me. So I'm going to give you an IOU on that one. I'm going to give you a little sweep it under the rug on that one. I'll look over it for now until I get it fixed completely. Well, sure enough, here's another thing that was pretty impressive. Along with the sacrificial system, God designed a building to give us a word picture. It was originally called the tabernacle, later called the temple. And the way that it would work, it was designed to show you limits to God. So the priest would go into an outer courtyard and there was two items in the outer courtyard One was a big barbecue that was for offering sacrifice for sin The other one was a big wash basin for the cleansing of sin But only the priest got to go into the building and the building had two rooms The outer room was called the holy place It only had three items in it It was a small room filled with incense smoke it was shimmering with gold around the walls and there was three things in it a menorah lampstand to talk about the light and illumination that god gives that they kept burning all the time then there was a table of unleavened bread 12 loaves of bread that represent provision for the 12 tribes of israel god's people Then there was an altar of incense that was literally like the smelly kind of incense. They would burn, and it was like the prayers rising up to God that they kept burning all the time. Only the priests could go in this room. Why? Because you were getting awfully close to God. Because at the end of that room, there was a thick curtain. And that thick curtain had two cherubim, holy, angelic beings, sewn into the curtain. Why? Because cherubim protect the throne of God. Literal angelic beings hover in front of the throne of God, keeping God's glory contained, because you couldn't handle it anyway, and keeping the sin from touching their great king. They are the shield, the curtain, the veil. And the priests could go in and they could minister there. But they could not go through the curtain. The curtain stood for the infinite gap between God and man. Because behind that curtain, there was a golden box. That golden box is called the Ark of the Covenant. Inside this golden box were three items. There was the Ten Commandments that Moses received. There was a jar of the miraculous bread, angelic bread from heaven called manna. And there was the budded staff that said that Moses' brother Aaron was the true priest. Nobody could go in that room because over the top of that gold box, two more cherubim had their wings outstretched. They were overlaid with gold on the top of the box. And in the middle, hovering over the box, God's presence would come down and dwell. The raw presence of God. Nobody goes in there but one guy. One time a year. That's how rare it was. That's how much sin had impacted and distanced us from God. This high priest would go through ritual cleansing and offer sacrifices both for his sins, the sins of the nation. He would wash and clean in front of everyone because he had to be cleansed perfectly. And then one day on the day of atonement, on the day of Yom Kippur, he was able to part the veil. He was able to walk through, and he could only go in for a short amount of time and allow the prayers of the incense to waft into that inner sanctum, the Holy of Holies. But then he had to hurry up and get back out, and everyone was was waiting for him to return. Now, because we know that the system was limited... It was always designed as a cover, never as a cleansing. We know that it couldn't fix our problem. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 10.1 says this, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near." For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, quoting Psalm 46, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. If God didn't want the animals to die, why are the animals dying? Because it was a symbol that God wanted them to demonstrate their obedience. When you brought an animal and you gave of something that you had, it meant your heart was in line. God is always one of the hearts of his people to be with him. But in this system that designs for man to reach to God, we always know that's going to be limited because there's no way for man to ever get to God. Every religion in the world is a way for man get to God and it's never going to work. And that's why Jesus came. Check this out. Hebrews 9.11 But when Christ appeared as a high priest so he's like that guy that represents all of us the guy that represents the nation. When Jesus came as our high priest of the good things that have come, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. And as it is, he has appeared once for all to the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Check this out. Here's what Jesus did. He came down as our high priest to offer honor, on our behalf and then after knowing our condemnation said I'll die I'll spill my blood for you I the perfect one the sinless one the spotless lamb of God I'll die that you may never die you take my perfect life I'll take your sin right there he became both our high priest and our sacrifice And then check this out. As our high priest, he walks into the temple through the first curtain, looking around saying, I'm the light of the world. I'm the bread from heaven. I'm the one that goes up and rises up before God at his right hand. And then he goes to the big curtain. Y'all remember this one? And what does the Bible say? When Jesus Christ died on the cross, the curtain was torn from the top To the bottom. Why did it have to start at the top? Because God ripped it. God said, We're good now. Ripped it apart, and Jesus walked right into the presence of God and said, Kids, come on. I'm not coming back out. Let's go. And all of a sudden God went worldwide and he began to indwell us. And that's what Pentecost was all about. The love of God was so intense, was so amazing, was so powerful that it can rescue us once for all. It is not a matter of us constantly trying to earn or perform for God. Jesus said, you could never earn it anyway. Let me take care of it. I'm the only one that can. So what I want from you is I want your heart. I want all of you. I don't want to be an add-on to your life. I don't want to be a little piece of your life. I want all of you. I want you to surrender, own up to who you are and what you did, and I will rescue you. Jesus Did what we could never do. And I want to show how deep that cleansing is. Hebrews 10, 12. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God. As a priest, you only sit down when you're done. Jesus said on the cross, what? It is finished. I did it. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. He adds from Jeremiah 31, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there's no longer any need of offering for sin. Because of who Jesus is and what Jesus did, our cleansing is complete. He did something that you will never perform to do. He cleansed us and forgave us, vacuumed under the rug, and fixed the problem. Even though we are still broken and make bad decisions, He traded His life for ours, so that now the Father only sees Him and not our weakness. There are two groups of people here today. There are those that have said, Jesus, I need you. And there's those that are yet to do that. I'm going to pray for both of you. For those of you that have never said, Jesus, let that be true of me. I give you my life. I own who I am and what I've done, but I don't want to own it anymore. I'm going to pray for you. And here's how it's actually going to work. In a moment, we're all going to bow our heads and close our eyes, and I'm going to pray on your behalf if you agree with me. And that is something you need. You, between you and God, are going to raise your hand to him and say, God, he's talking about me. I want to say everything that guy's saying right now. I don't understand it all. I don't get your love. All I know is I need your love. I don't understand how all this stuff works. I don't even understand who you are. What I do understand is that you love me, and if I have any chance, it's you. I would like to invite up our prayer team and our leaders to come up here and stand across the front. Because when we are done praying, I need you to understand something. I need you to understand you can't do this alone need you to understand that you're making such a significant choice right here that our team wants to pray with you. They want to follow up with you. So this is not a situation where you engage with God and then just disappear. For the rest of us, there are some of us that need to be reminded That when Jesus dies once for all, we're good. Some of us need to be reminded of what forgiveness means. Some of us need to allow God to wash through our past. Some of us need God to remind us he broke the chains off our wrists of addiction and bondage and bad choices. And instead of us running back into the prison and faking putting them back on, some of us need to let the cleansing flood overwhelm us and fall back into his arms and let it go. I'm going to pray for both groups. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you need Jesus for the first time. If you need Jesus to say, I don't know if I am rescued, I don't know if I am going to live forever in his presence. If I don't know that I have been cleansed to the deepest core of my being, I want you to raise your hand right now between you and God. I want you to raise your hand right now. Yep, all the way, all over the place. Let's do that. Who else? Who else? I'm going to pray for you right now. All right, you, all of you that have your hands up, you pray with me in your heart. Here we go. Heavenly Father, I need you. I need you. Everything that your son did, everything Jesus that you did for me, I want your perfect life. I don't want my garbage anymore. I don't want my past. I don't want my failures. I don't want my sin. I don't want any of that. I know I did it. I know I chose it. Even some of the horrible things that have happened to me that I didn't even try to do. Even the things that fell upon me that I was victim to. Jesus, I need your cleansing for all of that. I need you to wash me clean like a waterfall flood over the top of me. I need your grace, your forgiveness. Your word says that if we confess our sins, you will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You said that he who you set free, Jesus, will be free indeed. You said that you would take us from the kingdom of darkness And move us into the kingdom of light. That Jesus, you said you would rescue us. You said that you came that we might live. We need to live today. So God cleanse us. Wash us clean. Set us free. Allow your mercy to rain down upon us. We are sorry. Forgive us of our sins. And make us new. And make us whole and healthy. You can put your hands down. For all my believing brothers and sisters that need a reminder of the cleansing of Jesus, where you feel heavy, you feel tired, you feel exhausted, you feel dry, you feel disconnected from God, you feel weak. For all of you, I want you to raise your hands to God right now. I want you to tell God about what's going on in your heart. I'm going to pray for you. Anybody else? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, refresh us. Remind us, Lord Jesus, that you died once for all. It's not that you need to keep dying for us. It's not that all of our failure means that you reject us. We need to be reminded that when you cleanse, you cleanse to the uttermost. We need to be remembered, Lord Jesus, that you cast our sins as far as from the east is from the west. We need to be reminded that when we sin, you are our advocate. That you are interceding for us. The Bible says that if you are for us, who cares who's against us? The word says that if you are on our side, then who's going to condemn us? So God, we stand here with the accuser attacking us and we need you to shut him down. We need you to step in and tell him they are cleansed, they are healed, they are right, they are good. Leave them alone. And so, Heavenly Father, I ask that you'd send your Holy Spirit to go all through this entire congregation and everyone that can hear my voice and set them free, God. Begin to let the packs fall off their back, the chains off their wrists, their lightness of chest and the lightness of mind, that God, I ask that you would bless us and let us know that we. We are princesses and princes of the King and that we are not to play in the mud. Oh God, send your cleansing flood upon us. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.